So it's really good to see all of you, and I want to thank you for being a part of our group today. Um, both you guys are, are new to our uh, our studies and what we're doing. We have actually been, uh, for about the last year and a half now, we've been studying the life of Jesus Christ, and we've been studying it through what is known as a harmony of the Gospels, which means we're taking the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're making... Uh, we're taking all four of those books and we're harmonizing them, bringing them all together and giving us one linear picture of the life of Jesus from the time that he was born of a virgin till the time that he was dead, buried, resurrected from the dead. And so as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, each, each of the apostles that wrote those books give a different account of his life. And so our, our goal is to harmonize those four stories together so that we can get one big picture of Jesus, of our Lord and Savior. And so um, of late, we've been talking uh, about parables, and we're going to step out of parables today and talk again about miracles. So we know that Jesus uh, is the Christ. He is the uh, Son of God. He is the Son of David. He is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah. He is the one that... Uh, the Christos, the Christ, the one that was anointed or appointed by the Father to come and to save his people. And so um, several of the ways that Jesus proves that he is who he says he is, one of them is um, through his teaching, uh, that he teaches the truth of God. Um, another way that he proves that he is who he is is through his miracles. And so um, as he's going around, as he's living his life, as he's walking among us, um, he is showing us who he is. And so by reading his life story, by reading the living word of God, we are able to better understand who he is. And by understanding who he is and through the word of God and through the spirit of God, we are able to have faith in him and to trust him ourselves. And so um, let's go ahead. We're going to what we'll do is we're going to read this passage of scripture together. We're going to start in Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty seven, and we're going to read through verse thirty eight. So um, today's lesson will be Matthew uh, chapter nine, verses twenty seven through thirty eight. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and they spread the news about him throughout all the land. As they were going out, a mute, demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed and were saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, He cast out the demon by the rulers of the demons. Jesus was going through all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the healing of, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They were dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. All right, so now we'll go back through and we'll talk about what we've read. Um, The story starts out with Jesus going along and two blind men follow him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. So there's a lot we can talk about just in that one verse. These men are blind. What does it mean to be blind? Well, you can't see. Physically, you can't see. Physically, you cannot see. Good. But you can also be blind to the Scripture. Good. God covers your eyes. Very good. And so what you'll learn is that all of these physical ailments that these people have also have a spiritual counterpart. Okay? So if a person is blind physically, someone can actually be blind physically but be able to see spiritually. I wish I, I wish I could remember the name of the old girl's name that wrote the hymn right now. Um, she wrote a hymn, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled black back as a scroll. The trumpet shall sound and time will be no more. It is well, it is well with my soul. Right, right. And uh, or uh, I'm trying to think of. Um, Oh, what is the girl's name? She wrote a hymn, and she was blind. She's a blind hymn. She all of the hymns she wrote, she was blind. But she, in her song, she's constantly talking about seeing Jesus with her physical eyes. Now the reality is that she can't see him with her physical eyes now. But at on on the I day, can we? No, right? But on the day that we're given her new bodies, her her faith, her spiritual sight will become physical sight as well. Not only will she be able to look upon him with her heart, but she will be able to look upon him um, uh, with her with her eyes. And so the reality is that there are some people who are physically blind in this world who are actually born-again, regenerate people who can see the things of God with their hearts and with their minds. Hold on one second. Hmm. You're getting down. My oldest son is moving to uh, Savannah, too, so my whole family is going to be here. He wants his daughter to go to Calvary. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine her beating on the <laughs> So I have a question about this passage. How did they know that it was the son of David? How did they know it was Jesus? Well, we're going to talk about the son of David here in just, just one second. He says, um, so these men are blind. And so, again... There's a counterpart to all of these. So if a person is spiritually blind, it means that they can't see the things of God. What would um, spiritual deafness entail? You don't hear the Word of God. Good, you don't hear it. And what you do hear, you don't understand it as the Word of God. Good, all right. And so what would be the counterpart to someone who is crippled and cannot walk? Physically? They're physically they cannot walk. What would the spiritual counterpart to that be? Their heart would be dancing if they knew Christ. No, they act the or I don't know how to put it in words. Mm. Well, I'll give you a hint. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and 
even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he's with me. His rod and staff, they come for me. So he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. What does it mean to be on the path of righteousness? Following Jesus. Good. And so if a person is physically crippled, they cannot walk. walk. They can't walk if someone is spiritually crippled, what does it mean? They can't, they can't walk in his path. You see? And so, uh, how about, um, someone with a, with a physical heart ailment, right? What would the counterpart to that be spiritually? A hard heart. Oh, good. A heart of stone. Remember Pharaoh, how his heart was hardened? Right? So, his heart um, was hardened and he, he could not understand. Good. And so when you, good. And so when you think about someone with a, a spiritually impaired heart, it means that it's unregenerate. They're not able to they're not able to experience and know the things of God. So in the Bible, the heart is who we are on the inside, right? Isn't it wonderful through all the addiction, the jail time, all that stuff that my heart was still uh, moldable by Jesus? That that He still He still could open my heart. Well, and it's not that, it's not that when we're when we're dead. Sure, and when we're dead in our trespasses and sin and when we're living the wrong way, it's not like our heart is moldable. Uh, moldable. He had to regenerate it. He had to right. give me a new heart. Like the old one was a heart of stone. And Ezekiel, he talks about how he takes that heart of stone and rips it out and puts a heart of flesh within us, right? So it's not that our old heart, when we were living that way, was actually moldable. It was no good. It was desperately wicked. And so, and so in regeneration, what does he do? He creates, a, he creates in me a new heart. That's you love it. me that yeah. much. Though. Yeah, amen. And so, um, as you can see, um, so a lot of these folks, um, we're seeing have these physical ailments, but there's always, uh, a reason for us to, to think about the spiritual implications of those types of ailments as well. There's always a parallel there where we can draw instance to the how God is working in the spiritual lives of people as well. Okay, and so these men, these two men were blind, and uh, uh, they followed him. Uh, these two men followed him, crying out, "Have mercy on us, Son of David!" Now, how do you think they knew that it was Jesus? How did they know it was Jesus? They're blind. Do it. Oh. And they have, I mean, so was their heart hard? I mean, they're blind. I mean, no, what it, well, first of all, it says they're following Jesus. So, how are they following him? If they can't see where they're going, how are they following him? And how do they know it's the Son of David? What? How do they know that? They're blind. How do they know that? Are they talking spiritually? spiritually. No, nope, it's not spiritual. They physically hear it. They, they hear that Jesus is coming. Oh, they heard the word of God. They hear that. So, what's happening? People around are talking. Okay. Hey, here comes Jesus. Here comes the Son of David. Right here comes Other the believers. Messiah. Good. And so, at the end of our lesson today, Jesus is going to talk about how the harvest is plentiful, <coughs> but the workers are few. And so, we'll be able to tie all of this in together at the end by seeing that <coughs> God wants us to go out and do what. Tell the blind and the lost and the crippled and the maimed and the hurt. And the as a matter of fact, we're going to see in just a minute the afflicted, right? And the uh, said they were without a shepherd. They, they were without a shepherd. 
Um, how did he put? Let's find where he put that. He it said Jesus um, had compassion for them. Verse thirty six, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus cares about these people, and he wants us to go out as his followers, as his disciples, and share his good things with others. To go out and to find the blind and the halt and the lame and the and the deaf and the mute and the demon possessed. He wants us to go out and find these people and share his truth with them so that they can hear. So these guys were blind, but they weren't deaf, were they? No. Because apparently in order to know that he was coming, they heard the crowds talking. You see? And so one thing that we can always know about Jesus is that he says, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, I lay my life down for my sheep. My sheep know my what? Anybody know? Voice. Voice. And when I call, they come. So one of the, the hopes that we have as human beings is that God loved us enough to send his son down here. And that for those who God loves, they're going to hear his voice. He's going to make sure that they're in a place and in a way that they can hear from Him. He's going to work in their lives in such a way as they can hear from Him. Now, again, tying it into the end of our lesson today, what is the usual way that people hear about Jesus? From other believers. From other believers. That's exactly right. So the kingdom is being established before our very eyes, and God is using us as His people to help grow that kingdom. As we go out and share the Word of God, through the sharing of the Word of God and through the power of God's Spirit, what happens? People's eyes are open. People's ears are open. People's hearts are regenerated. You see, and that's not our power. That's God's power at work through us. And so as we go out and we share His promise with people, they hear. Now, um, Lori brought up a question. Go, Next, they say this. Um, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, what does it mean to have mercy on someone? We, we've done that before. We've talked about this in class. When we were kids on the playground, we would play a game called mercy, right? How do you play the game mercy or uncle or pinochle? I don't remember that. I remember the game, but I don't remember. Well, you, you, you get the other person's mm-hmm. fingers mm-hmm. in your hands and you oh. wrestle, right, mm-hmm. until they get your wrist twisted back to what, what happens? It hurts. And so what do you say? Uncle or mercy. mercy. All right. And when you scream mercy, what's supposed to happen? They're supposed to let you go. They let you go. They they, they take the pain away. They let the pain go. All right. Now, they're supposed to. If they don't and they break your wrist and they're cheating in the game, right? <laughs> and they're not showing you mercy. So with these guys, they're screaming out and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. What does it mean for for God to have mercy on someone? What does that mean for God to have mercy on you? Could they be asking to take the blindness away? That's in this case that you're exactly right. So they are aware of their suffering. How are they aware of their suffering? They're blind. They cannot see. Now, with these guys, we don't know their backstory. We don't know if they were born blind or if, if maybe they got a disease that caused them to be blind. We don't know how they got their blindness, but we do know that they are they're blind and they want to be able to see. And so, when does this mercy come? 
the Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. He is the Lord of mercy. The Bible tells us that He is the, the, the Lord of mercy, the, the Lord of compassion and forgiveness and healing and restoration, right? And so they say, uh, have mercy on us. And, and so what we understand from this is, is that these guys are suffering. They're suffering. And we also know this. The whole world around us is suffering, isn't it? And what about us as Christians? Do we, as Christians, do we suffer? Yes. Of course we do. Because this whole world is under a curse. Now, God is the one that placed that curse upon us, didn't he? Yeah. Remember what he said to Adam. If you uh, obey me, be fruitful, multiply, take control of the earth that I've given you and take it over and possess it, right? Then uh, all will be well. Or you trust me and all will be well. But if you, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you turn from me and do what I tell you not to do, you will surely die. And so all of this suffering and all of this struggling, all this pain that we go through in this life, you'll hear people ask all the time, if God is so good, why does he let us suffer? Well, the reason he allows us to suffer is because, number one, it's our rebellion that brought that pain and suffering upon us, right? Had man been obedient to God, we would have never known the suffering that we know. But it's an awful thing to suffer, but God uses suffering as a way to do one of two things. I want you to think about, remember we were talking about hardening hearts a minute ago and talking about Pharaoh, all right? The plagues that God placed down upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians did one of two things. Remember, for the Israelites, what did it do? It caused them to trust and believe in God. They saw his power and saw how he was working against his enemies. And so what did it do for the Israelites? It increased their faith and allowed them to so believe they had more the on it. Good. But what about the Pharaoh and the Egyptians? What did it do to them? They balled their fist up and grind their teeth and they cursed at God. You see? And so all of this struggle that we go through in this life is really like a sifting process, isn't it? It is. And what's it going to show in the end? What's it going to sift out? It's going to sift out the, the unbelievers. And it's going to show us who are those who truly have faith and trust in God. You see? And so uh, what, what, what is the old cliche that our trials and tribulations will make us better or what? Bitter, right? Our trials and our tribulations will either make I us... I've heard that before. Like you know, it. yeah, it's, it's kind of cliche. I have a question. Okay, here's a question. All right, so... Every time that Jesus heals these folks, and I like... And he says, by your faith. So it, that showed that they were believers. Yes, they are believers. They, they walked after him because they were believers. But then at the end it says, see, no one knows about this. Jesus told no one, but they went and told anyway. Yep. I mean, how could they not tell? I mean, they're seeing and the friends see them that they're not blind anymore. Like, what happened? But... There's no consequence, and this is not the first time that's come up. Yep, and and, and no again, consequences for that. And again, Lori, it's like always four questions ahead of our, <laughs> our, what we're talking about. We oh, will get to that. Okay. No, we'll, we'll get to that. It's a very good question you're asking, okay. a very astute question you're asking, and we'll see if we can't answer that in just a few minutes. Okay. But I'm still trying to get to the Son of David question that you oh. asked like eight minutes <laughs> ago. Okay, so we'll we'll get to it. Um, so 
I'm very proud of Lori. Lori used to chase rabbits, and now she stays right on task and asks very good questions. So uh, it says, uh, have mercy on us. So we understand what this mercy looks like now, right? But we also need to understand this, that even God's children suffer and struggle in the pains and and, and the hurts of this world. Like we're not completely absolved from experiencing the curse in our own life. And one of the things that you'll see with the with the prosperity gospel preachers and all of those, they tell you that you know, like Joel Osteen will tell you that you have you can have your what best, best life, life now. now. Well, the reality is this: if you're having your best life now, then you're going to go to hell. What you got to look forward yeah. to? Yeah, you'll go to hell because this is if this is the best you're getting, then you're in trouble. You yeah, see? and so <clears throat> um, again, we have this tendency in Christianity. To think that everything is going to be just a beautiful primrose path. And, and other and, God people will say, well, I wonder what he did that he's getting hurt. Good. We go through. Good. That's exactly right. But, but we do that to strengthen us. Sure. And for God to guide us and for us to learn how to trust him. Yep. Because these trials, are like what we're going through right now, these different things. When I was in women's residential... You know, it was horrible. <laughs> I was in drug court and residential at the same time. But I learned how to trust God, and I got through that. And I appreciate it now on the other side of it. Thank God for drug court and residential. I got through that. But it, there was a lot of trials and a lot of stuff I had to deal with. And there's, a, there's, there's tragedy still. But God will help get us through that. So this is not our best life now, but... These are for us to learn sure. how to completely trust Jesus Christ. So you think about, um, well, we, like your your pastor. Uh, pastor Ron Parrish. Yeah, Pastor Parrish uh, from IPC just, just died the other day. And it was, so unexpected. Yeah, well, and, and so he got sick. Uh, he had COVID. He got to the hospital. He got some infection. And then all kind of other things went wrong. And then it actually looked like there was going to be like a turnaround. He, yeah, he, he was kinda, getting better. Yeah, he was getting better, getting better. And all of a sudden, he had a, it was a stroke, I think. And heart attack. Heart attack and died. Yeah, and so, and you think, well, you know, so one of two things you could think. You think, oh, well, he must have been really a bad guy on the inside. And God is punishing him for what he got. No, Ron was a really good Christian man. You know, like yes, he, he was a faithful servant of yes, Christ for many, many years. And so can you point your finger at God and say, why did you do that to him? Like he didn't deserve that? Like the reality is, is that he's still a human being and he's still under in, in a body that was constrained by the, the guilt and the curse of sin. And so even God's servants suffer. There's so many points to that. There's so many points to that. Because Pastor Ron... His passing was hard on all of us, but he's, we know, the whole church family knows that he's with Jesus now, yeah. which makes it easiest for us, for us to handle. And then all the stuff that he went through and it looked like he was getting better, he's the one that told me, Lori, sometimes it's not about you. Yeah. Sometimes it's for other people. So you're going through something for other people to see how you're handling it, or you're going for lessons for other people, or lessons for your flock, in his case. Good. Yeah. That's very true. And and I got that from him. Sure. And and so think about that. And so uh I just last week, um I, I had we buried I had a grandmother die two weeks ago and she was ninety eight and she was she was very much ready to go. 
like she was way ready to go like she and so we were at the funeral and we were burying her and it was it was just such an easy funeral and now funerals are not supposed to be like i mean we hurt we miss her but the reality is we know where she is and the way that her physical body the shape that her physical body was in she's in way better shape now and not only that i couldn't help but to think while we were there at the funeral and my mom and my and her sisters my aunts like they were they were terribly distraught they just lost their mom like that's nothing you could just pat them on the head said oh it's not a big deal it is a big deal but the reality is I, I sat there, we were under the tent while they were lowering the casket in the grave. And it was a very sad scene, but the truth of the matter was, all I could think about in my mind was that my grandmother, because the other, the other headstones around her was my grandfather, mm-hmm. who she had been a widow over half of her life. He was a pastor and he died when he was 58 years oh, old. Wow. And so she lived 40 years without her husband, you know? And so not only that, her mom, who lived to be 101 years old, was in a grave, uh, tombstone next to that and a lot of her family was all around and all i could think about was all of them up there smiling on us we're all down here crying and sad and yet there's no sadness in them at all like like they're not even they're not even missing us right well they know you'll be there eventually you you see you see what i mean like they're, they're 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 enjoying the eternity of the kingdom they're enjoying the beauty of god's uh eternal rest and that's a good thing and yet when we're on this side of it, it's hard for us to appreciate it or to understand it or to even believe it. So one of the things that the trials and the tribulations and the struggles that we go through in life do is they shake our grip loose from this world. Yeah, because at funerals, even you know you know where they're going and they're in a better place, it also makes us think about our own mortality. Good. Yeah, it forces us to think about this kind of Because mm-hmm. yep. I used to think of, I used to be afraid of that. Yeah. And now I think about how is life going to be like. I, I look forward to what life is going to be like. The meek shall inherit the earth. You know, yeah. I would like to be frolicking around a, a new green earth that God is going to give us. And, you know, I think about what is life going to I look beyond death and think about my future, actually. Being in a, in a perfect world with Christ. Good. And so all of the struggles. So you think about someone like my grandmother who uh, uh, who was 98 years old and literally has 10 times more people on the other side than she has right. on this side now. Like there comes a point in a person's life where it's like I'm ready to go. There's nothing here to hold me back anymore. I'm ready to go be with Jesus. I'm ready to go be with my family and my loved ones. I'm ready. And so what does all the struggles and the trials and the tribulations do? They beat the love of this world out of us. Like, we, you, you know what I mean? Like, it, we literally learn to let go of it and say, there's more important things. And so all of the struggles and all of the physical ailments we suffer through and all the tribulation we go through in this life, there's a purpose behind it in God's uh, providence and in his uh, eternal wisdom. He knows and ultimately to comfort us because sure. it's better over there. We're going to go through all kinds sure. of stuff over here. But as long as we're guided by him, we can deal with it. Right. But it's not to say that he doesn't give us mercy on this side. Well, he does. Because we're going to, with these two guys right here, what's he fixing to do? He's fixing to give them their sight. Like he's fixing to allow yeah. them to be able to see. So it's not that God does not answer prayers. and that It's not like God is just some old meanie that just wants to beat, beat us into submission down here on the earth. Like he loves us and he cares about us. <laughs> I think us. we've been through the hardest part. Yeah. And so uh, especially for his children. 
you know, the rain, what did it do? in Proverbs it says that, or Ecclesiastes, the rain falls upon the head of the evil and the good. Like God's uh, common grace is poured out on the whole world. Everybody gets to enjoy the warmth and, and sunshine, except yeah. on a day like today. Like, well, today's not too bad. Yeah, no, we get to enjoy the warmth and sunshine today, but even in, like in Atlanta, it's snowing. Like, so literally 300 miles from here, it, like they're going with snow and it's cold. And Texas is out of power. So, so the reality is, is that God's common grace is poured out on all, but His mercy, His His uh, uh, Perfect mercy is there for his kids through his son, Jesus Christ, for his sheep. The good shepherd is taking care of us and it and he does take care of us. He does watch over. So when these guys say have mercy on us, they've been struggling with this, this blindness and they're crying out to God and saying, God, let up, help us to know, uh, peace and mercy. Have mercy on it. And then it says son of David. Now, now, what is that all about? The son of David. Well, if you go back into, uh, I think it's Second Chronicles chapter 7, I think. There, uh, God establishes a covenant with David and says that one of your sons will always sit on the throne. A son of David will always sit on the throne. So it's an eternal promise to David that someone from his lineage will always be on the throne and the jewish people knew that through the prophecies that the messiah right that the messiah was going to be a son of david so they're addressing that and remember jesus is from so what do we know about jesus well we know his mother and his father his mother and his dad were both from the tribe of judah right right and david was from the tribe of Judah, and so when you go back and you look at Jesus's lineage, the lineage, um, Mr. Hodge put it together for me. Mary had sons; her blood is in Jesus. Yeah. David, I mean uh, Joseph, also. Yeah, both the both of the mother and the father's lines come from David, and so he's double, he's double right, but secured. He's adopted and, by Joseph. Right, and so, but it, an adopted child gets all of the rights of a. Yeah. See, really. so. Uh, and so Jesus is that the son of David. He is the There's one no that no way he couldn't be right. He and so this man is recognizing that this is our Messiah when he calls him son of David. So when the in in the script Jesus often refers to himself as son of man because in the book of Daniel the prophecy is the son of man is the Messiah is the anointed one the one that's coming to save us. And so uh, he's both son of David, son of man, son of God, right? He's the only person that can truly be son of God and son of man. Now, uh, we, you and I in this room, we're sons of men. We're, we're Adam's kids, and we are adopted into the family as sons of God. So we're adopted children, but Jesus is naturally the son of God. All right. And so, uh, or I guess maybe I should say supernaturally because he is above the creation, right? But the point being is, is these men are addressing him, and when they call him son of David, what are they recognizing? That this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. This is the Christ. And so they're addressing him in that way because a part of the prophecy is, is that the son of David, the king, the Messiah, would be able to do certain things. And in the Old Testament, it talks about how he will give people sight and how he will uh, bind the enemy and keep... And there's some Jewish people that just do not... I mean, they're still saying that 
one lady was saying that all the disciples took Jesus from there. That's why he wasn't there. They just don't believe that Jesus was the right. Messiah. Some yeah. of them do. Well, and, and we see, remember, remember we've it's talked about that in the past, Lori. Right? We've that. talked about that in the past, how that there are always two reactions to Jesus and the proclamations of the gospel, either belief or unbelief. All right. And so, that, that's, have mercy on his son David. He entered into the house, the blind man came on him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? All right. And they said uh, to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes and saying, It shall be done according to your faith. So Jesus asked them, Do they believe that he can do what? Oh, give them sight. Okay. And what, and what was their answer? Yes, we believe. Now, remember, if you were to ask the devil today, do you believe in God, what would he say? He does. Yes, I believe. So this he is knows. right. This is this belief that these men are expressing towards Jesus and his healing is more than just a consent, a knowledge that he is who he says he is. This is an actual, uh, the only heart that can truly believe in Jesus and believe that he is the Savior, believe that he can heal us, and be- truly believe it is the regenerate heart. So God has that already been at work in these guys' life. How do we know that? Because they heard about him, they called upon his name, right? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. saved. So these guys heard about Jesus, they're following Jesus, even though they can't see him with their eyes yet. And they're screaming out at him, calling their son of David. So he, he addressed them. He said, oh, do you believe that I can heal you? And what they said? Yes. And so then this is what he said. He said, then according to your faith, let it be done unto you. Uh, it shall be done to you according to your faith. So now we need to talk about this. We've seen this in the past and we've talked about this before. But remember, their faith is not what heals them. Look what he says again. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Or that's another translation. It will be done to you according to your faith. All right? So what does that mean? If you truly have belief in your heart, then you'll know the healing. But it's not their faith that heals them. What is it that heals them? Let me ask you another way. Well, he says, do you believe that I am able to do this? So it would be their faith in his abilities? Good. It would be their faith. And his power? In him. In him. Okay. Good. So, it's not their believing that heals them. Who heals them? Jesus. But they put their trust in him. So their faith is the conduit from which the healing comes. So, in other words, the well is where the water comes from. And there's a spigot and you turn the spigot on and the water comes out of it, right? Well, the spigot is not the source of the water. What's the source of the water? The well. The spigot is what allows the water to get to you so you can drink it. Okay? Well, it's the same way with our healing or our salvation. It is not our faith that saves us. Our faith is simply the conduit or the pipe from which that faith comes. What is it that truly heals us? What is it that truly, or should I better should say, who is it that truly heals us? Who is it that truly saves us? Where is it that our our salvation truly comes from? Where does it come from? From Christ. So he's the well. What did he say? I'm the rock, and from this rock will spring our, the eternal our faith waters. Is a gift? Huh? 
Can you say that our faith is a our gift? Our faith is a gift. So even our ability to believe in him comes from him. Okay? So when it says, so here's the question. Let me ask you three this way. Did these two men have to believe in Jesus in order to be healed? Did they have to have faith in Jesus in order to be yeah. healed? Yes. Is it their faith that healed them? No. no, it's Jesus that healed them, but their faith but if was... if they didn't have faith in Jesus, they would have had a hardened heart and... They wouldn't have believed, and they, they would have never been healed. And... Good, good. So, it's not that we don't have a responsibility on our end to believe in him, but it's not our believing that saves us. It's not our believing that heals us. It, it's, it's not us that, that brings us through this world in a successful way. Good. So... It's not our faith, but who our faith is in. That gives that, us the ability. Good. I thank God every day for the ability to be able to keep the place where I live and to provide that place for my mother next door. And she's coming. Uh, That's good. She's coming at the end of this week. But the, the ability just to overcome things, um, getting a good job, the ability to move on to a better job when it's time, stuff like the ability is granted to us through him. Good. Yep. So and it's not that we don't have to get out of work and do we things. We do have, yeah, yeah. we got to do the footwork. But, but he's the one that even he's gives us the strength to, to work. So, um, and their eyes were open, and then Jesus sternly warned him and said, "See to it that no one knows about this." But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. So he heals these two guys from their uh, blindness, and the first thing that he tells them is, "Don't go tell anybody." Now, why, did, Lord, that's kind of the question you were asking. Yeah. Why would he do that? Why, why would he say, don't go and tell anybody? Humility? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's humble. I, don't, I, don't. Uh, I think, remember, what does Jesus come to do? To proclaim Pro- God throughout the earth. Pro- proclaim the kingdom and to seek and to save that which is lost and to die on the cross to save those who he came to For save. For our sins. Right. And so... <clears throat> um, we found out earlier in our lessons from three or four months ago that that there was several different reasons why the crowds were following Jesus. I was going to say because he didn't want people to follow him just to get healed. Good. It, fake news. No, I'm kidding. Fake news. <laughs> yeah. So it's not. So he. There was a lot of people that were coming around just for the show. There wasn't, mm, but there mm-hmm. was people probably trying to prove it wrong or to see something Good. that... There was people trying to catch him in his words. Yeah. Yep. There was people trying to to were... prove that what he was doing was fake. Yeah. Fake news, right? Yeah. There were some people that were there that were just curious. They just heard about this uh, magic man that's going around doing all these miracles. They wanted to come see it for themselves. Oh, I got to see that. Or just deaf people right. coming yeah. to hear it. Right. And there was a lot of people with, with hope that didn't quite believe. Good. But... Hoping so, that this was true. remember what these two guys said when they saw, heard Jesus. They said, have mercy on us, son of David. So they heard about Jesus, they believed on him, and they called upon his name. So theirs was, a, their, first it was saving faith and then healing, that healed them. And so they were calling upon Jesus for the right reasons. They knew that he could help them. A lot of the crowd that was coming to see Jesus didn't believe in him. Right. They just wanted right. to see a show. Right. It was like, hey, the circus is in town. 
And so what Jesus... Aren't they even more sinister? Right. Want to prove him wrong. Right. And so what Jesus didn't need was a bunch of clowns running around before him, dancing out in the streets and letting everybody know the circus was on the way. Right. But there's still more questions with this. Like, Jesus knew that something like that could not be hidden. These guys are going to, you know, be walking down the street and step over a cat because they can see it where before they couldn't. So they can't hide this from the friends and family that they know. Good. That's, so it's going to get out. Yep. But then these guys went and advertised it to everybody. Was there consequences? Well, and there, there's one. Uh, I know of one of the miracles where he, uh, remember when he cast the demons out of the man and they went in the pigs? Yeah. Remember, he said, I want to go with you guys. And what did he say? No, go home and tell all your family and your friends what I've done for you. And so there are times when they were supposed to go out and tell. tell. But again, uh, he, he wants the kingdom to be proclaimed. Uh, through uh, the truth, the through so that that he is the son of David, that he is the. But they did just what he told them not. Sure, to do. and then draw and it drew the wrong kind of crowds. He got a lot of the wrong kind of crowd around. But they were still saved. Yeah, I mean, so sure. There's a lot sure. of questions wrapped up in there. Well, he wanted people to come to him for the spiritual healing. He wanted people. Not necessarily. Well, right. So, a lot of people prayed to God for physical necessities. Like, oh God, my lecture bill is about to be due, and I ain't got enough money to pay it. Will you please give me enough money to pay my lecture bill? And and so a lot of times when our prayers are, um, oh God, please get me out of the back of this police car. Like I I won't do it ever again. Right. That's a prayer when we would pray so, <laughs> so, so, so think about that so, so think about that is it wrong to pray if we get locked up in jail no that's actually a good thing to do is pray but but so but how many people in the back of the police cars pray like this oh jesus my heart is an idol factory and i have been doing these drugs for so long that they have become the god in my life and i need you to change my heart so that i don't want to do these drugs anymore so that i'll seek you in my life that not, happens after you go to yeah. prison. <laughs> yeah, but but you understand what I'm saying. The prayer is not, oh, yeah, God, right. work in my heart so that I won't ever do the things you, that cause me to get in this police car. Please get it's, oh, God, get me out of this problem right. I'm in. Right, so we can go right back right. and do it again. And so with these guys here, what did he say? Your faith has made you whole. So what Jesus is implying that it was more than just healing their eyes. It was a healing that took place in their heart. And so we learn that salvation comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, right? That's what it says in Romans 10. It says salvation comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Now, it says, but these went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. So they really didn't pay attention. And if, if you have ever had God save you, if you know what his regeneration in your heart is like, if you know what it feels like to have the weight of your sins lifted off of your shoulders and to know for the first time in your life that you are forgiven and that you are a son of God, it's not like you can keep quiet about it, is there? I'm thinking since they knew he was the son of God and they knew, apparently he probably knew they were going to go say it anyway. So, I mean, I don't understand the point of him saying that. If he already knew they were going to and they knew who he was. You see well, what I, I don't, I'm not wording it right. You see where I'm getting Yeah. Like, so he... Uh, he had to have known they were going to go say something. <laughs> Yeah, well, but he warned them not to. Right, but was it a real warning or was it? Yeah, I think it was. You think it was? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah he warned them not to, and they did. Mm-hmm. So, 
So... I guess I'm saying, well, there's a lot of questions in there. There's a lot of questions. I don't know how to word the well, question. Well, there's repercussions. It doesn't talk about that. So, so the reality is this, is that it did some good and did some bad for them to go out and spread that around. Some people did notice that these guys are not stepping on the cats. As okay, Lord there's a them. note in 8-4. And so, uh, Lori's going to so go find this one of her. He must have said it before in eight. He four. says it all the time. He says it yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, and Jesus said that it's the, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. And that was uh, when he cleansed the leper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 8 4. Lori's going to give Publicly Bible. over such miracles might hinder Christ's mission and divert public attention from his message. Mark records that his that this is precisely what happened, just like you said yeah. with the other one. In this man's exuberance over the miracle, he disobeyed. As a result, Christ had to move his ministry away from the city and into the desert regions. Yeah. The gift that Moses commanded, sacrifice two birds. Oh, that's, oh, so, that's different. That's so, different. But it doesn't again, what would happen? What would happen? They would go out and spread the news, and then all the crowd would come around, and he'd have to pack up and leave that place and go somewhere else because the focus would then become the miracles instead of the message. And that's the same thing that we see today in modern evangelicalism. If you can get a band to come and perform at your church, you can pack the place out. But when you yeah, get I a pre- one participant that would rather go to a church that has all this. Big music and bands sure. and lights and, instead of coming to independent for service. Well, but the reality is this, that uh, most people that are coming are not coming for the message. They're, they're coming, coming for the show. sights and the sounds and the show. You see? That's the reason why most people go to church, to see what Susie's wearing this week, what color dress she's got on. <laughs> or, you know, to see if my... The, my auntie's that, wig is yeah, on, right? <laughs> right. If that guy I really like is still there and if he hadn't got a girlfriend with him yet, like, in, and, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, are we going to have, is there going to be a chicken dinner after the service today? Like, what, are we, what, yeah, what are we going to have, what are we going to have? tonight you know and so it's the same thing i mean look what we do here um we have a group of people that come and bring us lunch every week for this class that we have right and i guarantee you that there's been somebody that's come and been a part of our class before that just came in because there was a free lunch and it was a way to just go warm building and not get out the cold for a little while and that's okay right it's okay right but the hope is is that the people that are coming to church are there for the message not the miracles and so with these guys, it was hearing about Jesus and knowing Jesus through faith that not only saved them and gave them eternal life, but healed their eyes. And a lot of people would just come just to get healed, and then they would run off and use their eyes to stare at the world with. You see, these guys have new eyes, but they also have a new heart with those eyes. And that's going to help the message of Christ. And so... Uh, I would say that the main, one of the main reasons why Jesus would tell people not to say anything is because he didn't want people there for the miracles. He wanted people there for the, for the message. The miracles authenticated the message, but it was the message that gives the power to do the miracles. Like it's the promise of God that heals people. And so the focus needs to be on the promise, not on the, uh, the performance. Is there anywhere in the Bible where we hear what the consequences was for them, or was there none? Or you know? 
Well, think think about it in the world we live in. I don't think I wouldn't say in the Bible, but think about the world we live in. So, what happens in a church where the focus is on the miracles? Oh, yeah. It goes under. The message surf- suffers. Yeah. And you get what you get is you, you get, get all a con- kind of wacky stuff. You, you get a congregation of unbelievers. Well, is it okay sometimes for not all the time, but for occasionally somebody to come for the miracles, but at least that gets them there so they can hear what's going on and see what's going on? Well, that's I, what the food is all about. Right. And, and I, I think, <laughs> right. But, but again, um, that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. And you're either there for the spiritual things or you're there for the physical things. But can you come for one and then go, oh, wait a second. Um, well, yeah. there, there are circumstances in the scriptures where we see that happen, where somebody came and then, but, but generally, um, God begins by calling us through a regeneration of the heart and then, not with lunch, right, not with lunch, right, <laughs> yes. not with a, re, not with a full stomach, but with a regenerate heart, right? that's exactly right, it's, it's very important and it's still important to think about that mm-hmm. because you, even, so with the homeless crowd down here, I go down here, I drop these, um, I drop these lunches off when we get done. I stop and throw them out. Well, I don't throw them out. I hand them to the... And there's one little girl there that's always sitting at the red light. And I'll hand them to her and say, now make sure you share these with other people. And there's been times before where I would give her a Bible and, and some tracks in, inside of it. And hope that she would go back to her camp and read it or maybe you know think about it. I don't know if she's ever read it or not. It, it may happen. She may read it and get saved. Who knows? I can't put that beyond gone. But I do know that the general reaction of that crowd is to take the Bible and throw it down on the ground and grab that food and start eating. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in a situation where <clears throat> they're in a situation where it's cold, they're hungry, and they don't have any food. And, and not only that, but they learn to embrace that that neediness. Oh yeah. They learn to embrace that neediness, and it cripples them. Yeah, and, and so, sometimes we even get proud about how good our kid is yeah. compared to the next guy. Yeah, and so. You know, is feeding, is going and feeding them, is that really helping them or is it just feeding their neediness? You know, like. But it does show your Christian compassion and sure, love. Sure, sure. And, 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 and James. So they may yep. turn around and say, well, I want what he's yep. got. Jane, and James even addresses that. And he says, you know, don't go to somebody who's cold and say, well, I'll pray for you. Like, give them a jacket. Yeah. Like, you know, and so. Uh, again, God is working in all kind of ways and He does work through outreach ministries. But generally, um, I, I would say, well, I, I can just think in the last six years of me working in, in the in the alcohol and rehab uh, clinics and working with kids in behavioral clinics and things like that. I would, I don't want to judge people's hearts, but I would say that 95% of the people that I work with never show any kind of true interest or salvation in salvation or in Christ. I would say about nine out of ten. Every once in a while, you do have one that actually you see God work in their life and their lives are changed. But it's not that often. But nine, but 10 out of 10 of them, they love it when you bring cookies. Right. You know what I mean? Or 10 out of 10 of them love it when you bring a movie to watch instead of doing Bible study. Right. I have to say, I get to see it a little more often maybe than you do. Yeah. So um, let's go ahead and, and kind of uh, look what's going on here. Uh, it says... But they went out and they spread the news about him in land. So we're really running out of time. Why don't we just, we'll stop there today and uh, we'll get pick up at third, uh, verse 32 oh, next week when we get back together. Yeah. They did go by fast. And so, again, let's look at what went on here. Jesus went out. Two blind men followed him, crying, have mercy on us. So these men heard about Jesus. 
They follow Jesus, right? And the only person that truly follows Jesus is the one that has a heart for him. And why do they have a heart for Jesus? Because Jesus said it this way. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And when I call, they come. So these men were being drawn to Christ. And as they were drawn to Christ, what happened? Their eyes were open. They were able to see him and to know him. So not only had they heard about him and not only had they received him and believed him, but they were now able to see him. Their lives were completely changed. Um, and Jesus uh, told them, he said, do you really believe me? And what did they say? Yes, we believe that, that you can heal us. We have faith in you. And it's so important for us to remember that saving faith is a faith that is in something that is true. That is in something that is eternal. Saving faith is in the word of God. Is in Jesus Christ himself. So our, our faith has to be in something that's real and something that's true. I can put my faith in people and they'll drop me on my head. I can put faith in my finances or my work or, or my health and it will drop me on my head. I can put my fi- uh, faith in, in that handsome fellow I look at in the mirror every morning and I will drop myself on my head. You see, our faith has to be in something that is is worthy of being trusting. And it is only God and his truth that is truly uh, worthy of faith, of truly putting our trust in. And so these men heard about Jesus, they received Jesus, they believed Jesus, and they were able to see Jesus. And then they went out and told everybody else about him, despite the fact that he told them not to, right? And so, again, uh, next week when we get back together, we'll see where... Jesus is praying that God will send people to go out and and uh, to uh, work in the harvest. That there are, there are a, a countless number of people out there whose hearts and minds are buried under the burdens and the sufferings of this world that are simply waiting to hear that Jesus is here. You know what I mean? And like it's up to us. That there's hope. Yeah, that there's hope. And, like and it's up to us to go out and share his words. And by us going out and sharing his promises, his words, right, the truth with people, what's going to happen? Other people's eyes are going to be open and their ears are going to be open and their feet are going to be and healed. Those are actions. You can't go out there uh, talking about all kinds of scripture stuff and then go scream at somebody for doing something silly. I mean, they watch how we act. Folks, watch how we act. So we can spread the gospel through many different ways. So, uh, guys, it was really good to have you all part of our group today. Um, Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer, and we'll call it a day. Father, thank you so much for this lesson, and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that you will help us to be grateful for the fact that you loved us enough to put people in our lives to tell us about you and to share your words with us. And that you loved us enough to give us the faith to believe in you. That you loved us enough to save us and to give us new hearts and new eyes. And I just pray for all of those who you are going to place in our past now who are blind and who cannot see and who do not have hearts to know you. That you will give us the willingness and the strength now to to share. Because unlike these two men in this story today, Jesus, that we saw, you do tell us to go. And you do uh, tell us to tell others about you. So give us the the strength and the courage to do so and help us to go out and be light and salt in a world that so desperately needs you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.